Hey, this episode is brought to you by ProBoss.com. ProBoss.com is a statistical platform that features over 70 leagues around the world. Most recently, also college teams were added to this platform. And if you consider yourself a statistical nerd or a statistical geek, this is the place to be to explore all sorts of statistics, profiles, and other goodies that interest you. Today, Lassie and me explored the search engine. And if you want to know what we searched for, please check out this episode. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to my podcast. And today's guest is Lassi Tuovi. Lassi is the head coach of Finland basketball, as well as the assistant coach for Virtus Bologna. And today we talked a lot about his path with the national team, transitioning from assistant coach to head coach, and the mentorship he received from Coach Detman along the way. That shaped him who he is today, and he's still learning. We talked a lot about his philosophy in terms of learning and still educating himself by asking players questions. He doesn't necessarily think it's this is his truth, but this is the experience he had, and he's still learning, he's still educating himself, and he just kind of shares his perception and view on things of how it helped him to shape him as a coach. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's a lot of nuggets in there in terms of mentorship, philosophy, learning, X's and O's. Uh, if you did so, please share, please Give it a thumbs up. Please subscribe to this podcast on YouTube as well as on all the audio platforms and hope to see you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Lassie, my friend, how are you? I'm good, Benas. How are you doing? Thanks for the invitation. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we've we've been we've been going back and forth, but uh, we finally got it done. And I'm glad you uh, we've known each other for for quite a while now. So I'm I'm glad that this finally came to fruition. Yeah, it's it's been a while. You know, uh, I'm considering myself still as a very young coach. So one good lesson I learned already is that you better rather listen than talk. So that's why I've been rather listening to your podcast. and uh, But hopefully with this talk, if I can give some tips or advices or or something for the young coaches, you know, definitely worth it. Yeah, this this is going to be a, 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 a special podcast because there's, there's a, one topic that I always wanted to talk to you and to talk to you in front of the listeners or with the, with, with people understanding the significance of it is mentorship and uh before before we dive into it i uh i have one simple question for you to start off the day and to start the conversation because i i i will introduce my podcast today it's a little bit more it's a more on the creative side it's not the typical fourth four quarters that i usually prepare so i hope that the the listeners will get the drift and it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different in terms of uh topic discussion but i wanted just to start off asking you a simple question how are you just as as a person as a coach is one thing but as a person how are you today like at this time in this moment of your career of your life how you feel well i believe um and i hope that i'm still feeling the same as i felt 15 years ago when i really jumped into the coaching super excited uh humble to learn and and uh, also understand that you know basketball is something which gives us a lot it became a you know profession and and it has it took me to the several amazing places cities clubs been living abroad but how am i 
I think I'm still the hopefully the same young kid who's super excited to learn basketball, learn life, and 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 enjoy basketball. That's it's always the the comparison between life and and coaching in in whatever sphere it is, whether it's basketball or football. I like the the metaphorical parts of it because you can you can learn in life and apply it in in coaching or in your profession very easily if you are cognizant and and a little bit more uh, reflective. And I think that today we're going to have a lot of things that we can apply to for for all the listeners and 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 people watching on YouTube um, the things that you learned. On, on along on the journey you know to apply to apply that you um that that you're doing every day basically for in uh, two jobs for 12 years now 13 years right so we're gonna we're gonna unwrap all of this uh i just uh, the first thing i wanted to start with was how how did you become a coach like how did you you were born in finland in la penranta how do you pronounce that la penranta you do it very well I have some I have some finish in me and uh and uh, <laughs> I was wondering how did you find basketball in the first place in 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 such a, a remote area of, of Finland um kind of accidentally I I didn't play basketball a long time when I was a young I, I started it as the age of 15 before that I played soccer uh and i actually you know uh, spent a lot of time in a theater because my father is a theater director back in the days and uh, and i i jumped into the basketball very young age i was lucky because the club was suddenly one of the best ones in finland you know uh but they, there was not a you know good youth program so actually you know i i got into the men's summer practice in the pro team I was a terrible player. Honestly, this I can tell you that you know there was not a talent, maybe a great will and, and hard working mentality, but that I was just there around and and uh, and because there was not a lot of kids who played basketball. So we were just, you know, basically rebounding in the practice summertime and and I injured. I I I hurt my knee and I was out one season. There was not a lot of people working for the team neither. So there was only, you know, the coach and it was a small club. He had a lot of duties. So he told me to help him uh, watching the other teams and doing some help, like kind of like young kid there. And uh, I fell in love with that. Long story short, we won the championship 2005. So I was 18 years old. And uh, and uh, next summer, the guy told me that uh, maybe you should be focused on helping management and coaching stuff more than uh, on the floor and i didn't even think about it i jumped into it and and uh 50 years later i'm here that's uh that's it's a classical story wanting to be a player getting injured and then going into the coaching and uh, and everything unravels and un un unravels from there did the theater help you in coaching did the theater experience help you somehow in some way now this we I have I've spoke a lot. Of course, there's a lot of similarities, like like leadership wise. Giving a, a simple example, uh, thinking about the roles, casting, casting is everything. And uh, and uh, if you if you put or give a too big role for an actor who's not able to handle it, the show will not be very good. And the meanwhile, if you have too many stars in a minor roles, 
it will not click in the stage as it will not click on the floor so these kind of things you learn and uh, and uh, of course another thing which we i think we underestimate is that uh, basketball for me is uh, it's an art we think about it, we can control it we have a you know a way to try to control it but it's not a science it's an art so you need to give uh, just the uh, actors the stars the 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 space to be themselves and and that's the similarity i i found very important in in any level in, in sports I I 100% agree with you on that because it's an art form that you you give the paintbrush to the players and you kind of just kind of on a blank canvas and you let them navigate the space and and hopefully you recognize as a coach the strengths and the weaknesses to help them help them navigate the waters a little bit and and put them in position to succeed but that's the creativity part that whichever team you go on, on to there's a different way of 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 achieving that success exactly and and then, then we need to we need to control different persons different way there's there's those uh, artists who you need to give more freedom and be, without it they cannot be successful they cannot be themselves on the meanwhile there's always people around who needs exactly the right rules that they know what you expect from them what is the duty and what is the work that that they are they need to bring into the group so they can be motivated and they can be satisfied because if they don't know if you don't tell and, and organize it right way those people are lost same way as the maybe the more creative ones if you control them too much yeah and and i think that's the challenge of when those two parties have to play together you know one has the freedom and the the liberty uh, the 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 uh art the artist in him has the has the ability and the talent to do so and the the less talented or the ones that need more control they have to kind of find a way to play with the with the artist you know and 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 kind of be uh, like on stage in theater or or in ballet where there's the main ballet dancer and there's other dancers around him that that have to be that all has to be coordinated that's 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 the thing i'm i think it's one of the reason why I I still I think that it's an endless endless learning in this job and 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 uh, when when I became a assistant coach again a few months ago I, I think this is the one of the main thing to learn with the more experienced coaches and a high level organization in Bologna that uh, this is this is the key you need to have a basically same rules for the team and same time give this little freedom and little specific uh, you know roles for each and everyone according what you expect from them but you know you need to ask more from the from the ones you can ask more that's actually you know caring yes. that you know the standards are higher and that's that's also super important in our job to show that uh, they might have in some situation bigger role not say freedom but like uh, able to be more creative but on the same time we ask a lot more from them because they have the capacity to give you more yeah that's so there is a double standard you know there's there's there shouldn't be a double standard in certain situations whether it's hustle or or you know just those the, the defensive plays that you require effort but 
on the other side, the offensive, uh, there's on the offensive end, there is a double standard because of the responsibilities you give to those players and they have to produce more because of that. Yeah, that's uh, at the end talking about motivation. This is the this is the key thing that uh, at the end, whatever is your role, somebody gonna have a more shots, somebody gonna have a more you know ball in his hands or her hands. But at the end, you need to share sacrifices and you need to you know work together. That's why we play team sports. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, we should we should jump into the individual sports. Yes, exactly. Uh, tennis players, like Messina likes to say, they're they're some of them are tennis players. <laughs> um, but I I um I I broke up our our podcast in different uh, different segments. I call them, uh, and that's more metaphorical metaphorically speaking. Uh, the the first one is going to be pregame. The second one is going to be transition offense. Then half court. Then we go into a quick halftime with proballers.com. Then I'm going to incorporate a little bit of a a box score analysis with you. Then we go into transition defense and then a post-game analysis. So all those things incorporate different parts of your career, but also uh, some some parts that can be applied for, for individuals or for coaches that are listening uh, that you learned along your career. You, you already mentioned the, the transition from head coach to, to assistant coach again, but we're going to go, that's going to be in the, in the next segment. Let's start with the pregame quickly. When you came to the national team in 2010, I believe, and that's that's the you know you said you just said it you started 2005 and then until 2010 when you came to the national team there's different stories of how how people got to where but i'm more interested in how did you feel stepping on the floor with national team players with the national team with high level players that play all over europe or the world and uh, is there was there some sort of did you feel ready? Was there some sort of insecurity that you felt during that? What did you feel in the first summer with the national team when you came as a young coach? Um, honestly, it was a, it's a kind of a foggy summer because there were so many new things. And of course, as a young coach, or I don't know, I was video coordinator at that time. You feel super excited. And... Uh, the key was what I remember that the atmosphere they built over there was special, that you felt automatically in 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 the team, during the dinners, in the hotels, that you are part of it. And uh, for sure, we're going to talk a lot about leadership of, uh, of uh, Henrik Detman over there. But me as a young coach, I think for somehow he motivated pushed me to be myself, to propose and 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 to do stuff like with the videos and try sometimes probably too much and then you have to control that, that there's too much ideas or something. But you automatically felt that I can do, I can be. And that was the thing that I remember that somebody might think that you are just standing on the side and basically saying, Buongiorno in the morning and uh, and awa when you leave. <laughs> but more, I felt immediately that you can be yourself. And now afterwards, this is the main thing I think I want to keep up with the Susieni right now when I'm a head coach already, you know, 14, 13 years later. So do you feel responsibility, the same responsibility that was passed on to you now for the next generation of coaches in, in Finland? 
I I felt already that you know he wanted to explore us. He wanted to push us to you, try to not be just uh, giving the tactical board or rebounding the basketball. We we shared a lot of ideas. We were participating, and that's one of the thing I think we have been overall doing in the youth coaching, in the, in the, in the national teams in the clubs. That's some kind of a DNA we have right now in our coaching culture in 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 Finnish basketball, and we need to be very proud of it. It's not that you write it down in the book and give it to everybody, read it and do it. I think it's it's something that you lead from the top. So when you see that people are doing it, kind of a drop it to the other people, to the other coaching staffs. And uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to be now leading Susi but even more proud to be one of the Finnish coaches because it's been a, great to see how, how we grew up during the years. So I'm going to take the, the the one part after the half court uh, subjects that I, I prepared into this pregame uh, because this is important this that we are on the subject already with with coach Detman of how the mentorship affected you because the the timeouts that he gave to you and the ownership you felt in the timeouts how how long did it take from 2010 to when he actually gave you the boards during the games or during I mean, during practices is one thing but during the games to to draw up a play or to draw up certain certain things that you he felt comfortable that you could give to the team that that you know he trusted you and it does there has to be a, some sort of cohesive uh, unit amongst the coaching staff the tr the trust has to be built throughout the summers and throughout the, one summer it's kind of hard but throughout the summers that there is a you know, like coach Detman was very cognizant of that he's grooming the next generation of coaches and particularly you that he gave you the the trust and the and the the power to do so in the timeouts during games. So when did he give it to you and how did you how did you feel prepared for those situations? What what man, obviously had a big impact on on you feeling free and and confident enough to do so. Uh, yeah, of, of course that was that was probably a bigger thing than it was because people start to talk about it and 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 recognize that the assistant coaches is throwing the play in the timeout. Honestly, Everything was well prepared. We never used anything pulling a rabbit in a hat, you know, type of a things. We were more preparing the things in the practice. We had a plan and always in the huddle, we talked at what we're going to do. And uh, the, the head coach always decided and, and decides the call. Who's going to pass? Who we have on the floor? What do we need? And then we had a certain package. It was just more to maybe push somebody else to do one duty during the timeout because this is something I also learned. Timeouts and especially the end of the games, they are super, you are stressed, hectic. And uh, I give you an example. When you are going to the timeout in a crucial time, if you are just watching your board and, and yelling, drawing 60 seconds of one play, you might miss a very important information. Or you might not give an uh, opportunity for the player to ask a question. We know that every team has to, the player who's opened the mouth and will, will ask the smart or, or sometimes even a stupid question. And there's the players who start to immediately talk. But most of the players are are in this situation waiting that they have an opportunity. So if you're only watching your board, if you're only throwing and yelling, there might be, you know, missing information. 
And uh, Henrik was very smart that during the timeout when, when somebody else draw the play, he might even recognize that somebody's tired or or somebody had, you know, a face that he wanted to ask something so he had an opportunity to talk. Same thing in the games. If the head coach is the one who needs to give the player offensive play call, defensive strategy, your defensive matchup, how can you run the 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 coaching during the last last uh, minutes of the ball game? So you need to share responsibilities. This was just one way to give assistant the uh, you know this role to draw the play. So Henrik has a more time and focus to to give a time for some other duties. It's very interesting. That's one thing that I that I, I take from that is that he he did it with the awareness of having a different angle on the team you know he's he was watch he would watch you or he would give you the timeouts but then he would watch the whole energy in the in the huddle probably and to see and observe from the outside with a different angle to see maybe that could impact his decision making during a game or the next place on onward i i totally agree and i recognize it like that time of course i was super excited to go and throw and focus on that but when I when I did it afterwards, give you an example. I, I I used a lot of my my assistant last summer to go and give a short information about defense before we call the next play in the timeout. So so many times the the one of the assistant had a you know this 20, 30 seconds to go through that next defense. We're gonna change a little bit, or we we need to focus on him, or now they're gonna probably throw this ATO. Same time when I was watching the team. You recognize some things that you were not able to recognize during the game. So even this half timeout, thirty seconds, gives you, as you said, a totally different angle. And uh, and uh, everybody, everybody does their own way and what is the best for for themselves. But I think that this is super interesting because uh, you get a a lot of different, uh, as you said, angles and views for the for this important moment. And and feel because I think for coaches coaching intuition and just the, just you know the internal voice is going to tell you what you really what you really feel and what what the right decision will be and then you have to go for it and a lot of times i think coaches try to calculate a little bit too much instead of listening to their intuition and those kind of angles that you can see from the outside kind of like a helicopter view from the, from above it gives you a little bit of a different perception of 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 the information that you receive and you can make a different decision i think that you can you kind of um Take, put yourself out of the out of the bubble a little for for a short bit, and then take 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 the information as a whole, and then the decision making can come in a slightly different angle. I, you're totally right. I I also think that that this uh, sometimes we as coaches we have this flow in the game that basically the let's say the timeout starts and we just you know grab the board and we are already sitting in the chair before the players are coming and. And it, it also works because I think this flow is super important. Sometimes you have the feeling for the game and you know exactly what, what how we want to you know, do the next few minutes. So you need to use this energy. On the meanwhile, I remember so many timeouts that I'm sitting there in the chair without any idea, just going through emotions. And those are important moments that uh, as I started today, it's, it's very important that you listen. First, there might be some super inf important information. This works everywhere in coaching. 
I I usually tell that you know that's the, one of the main things how I I run try to run my stuff and I hope that I can get get even better on it. But anybody can have a good idea. Of course, in ATO you cannot ask it from a from the guy who's cleaning the floor. But uh, <laughs> but but you know in the life that you never know that where the right idea and the good point comes, and that's why you need to listen. Yeah, that's one thing that I I can I can share a story here. When I was uh, I was in with Seska and Co- Coach Messina was there, and we had a game in in Riga at that time in, in the VTB League. And uh, you know the, I, the little it was a Lithuanian coach, Coach Butatas, who was coaching Riga. And I felt like I watched so many of his games, and I knew what he was going to do at the end of the game because we had a close game. It was a, it was a one possession game, and they had a they had an after timeout on the sidelines uh, on the sideline inbounding the ball. And I told I told coach in the in the coaches huddle before before we got to got to the players that I think I, I'm pretty sure what he's gonna do because he always does this at the end of the game if it's close. That's the one play that he runs that he 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 really and and I was you know you can never be hundred percent sure, but you I was I was fairly fairly sure that he's gonna do it. And I say that and um Coach Messina just says, "Okay, here's the board. Draw it up for the for the players." <laughs> I was I almost crapped in my pants when he he gave me the board. I was like, "Holy shit!" I I did not expect that. So I went to the to the huddle, and and uh, that was more of a uh, a shock to the system. You know, you know, contrary to what what you what Coach Detman was, you know, you guys were preparing the ATOs, and you everybody kind of knew when what will happen or when somebody will do the timeout. And this one kind of the spurred the moment, you know, shocked to the system for me, where it just threw me in the cold water. And then I, 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 I wrote it up. I, I, I showed which players are supposed to receive the ball. You don't know the matchup. You know the matchups, but you don't know which who's going to run the play, who the run, who the play is going to be for. And you kind of, uh, it we helped to. Uh, Sonny almost got the steal because he was prepared for the flare screen, and it, it was a happy ending at the end of the day. But that was something something similar. It's just that it was a little bit more shocking and unpreparedness of my that like, you have to also prepare your wording. You know, as a coach, you have to, you have to know how to how the sentences are supposed to come out. <laughs> uh, it was I don't know if it was pretty or not, but it was it was definitely. I mean, it worked at the end. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's 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 a great example. Same time, like like that's why we need to have a. I think honestly, we need to have a different kind of a personalities and different kind of a strengths, in the team, but in the staff. Yeah. Because in these yeah. moments, sometimes you need this analytical thing that remember that we have been doing this or they have been shootings that somebody who's you know giving you the right things. Some moments you need an opinion. That no, let's do this. Let's stop straight. Kind of a communication, and that's that's also a thing I learned that uh, during the time when I was assistant, we had a different kind of a persons around. So coach had a bigger tool back, what to use, and if everybody are saying thinking the same way, doing the same things every day, the, you know the the maximum of your potential doesn't get any bigger. So that like just just to move on on that, but because you you said a couple of days ago when we talked uh, of you know I'm I'm still thinking about the pregame pregame part of how to prepare for those situations that you're talking about you know the the ATOs and 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 uh, diff- having different strengths, but when you are focusing on your strengths in the preparation process, you said that you're doing one thing at a time. 
And that's why sometimes you can be hard to reach in terms of putting the phone away and preparing yourself for practice, for games, for for whatever, for the road trip, for whatever you are preparing for at that moment. How what's what's what is your routine like? Because there's different techniques, and people are looking to be more effective in their techniques because there's so much, so much out there. Just it's a lot if in terms of information, in terms of responsibilities, uh, then balancing family life with work, and just so many things that 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 can crumble uh, on uh, on top of you. How do you? work your routine when you do you focus on one thing at a time because there is a pomodoro technique that kind of rem- reminds me of it a little bit what you were saying where you work for for a, for two hours let's say uninterrupted work then you take a 30 minute break then you work for an hour and a half then you take a little bit of a shorter break and and so on and you kind of you kind of peel the peel the the the, the, the tomato or whatever but uh, what's what's your technique like that you you're telling me uh, on the phone the other day that you try to do one thing at a time and 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 uh, put yourself put the rest aside? Well, I think uh, this is super important in in our job that you find your own way of working as well as you know how you recover because we don't have a time to recover. This is a uh, this is a washing machine right now with Euroleague and, and national team coaching where you don't have a day off, so you don't have a mornings to skip the alarm. You need to find your own way of working, and, and nobody cannot actually tell you that. You, you're right. I, I really like the thing that I, I work, focus, I wake up. Usually we work a lot in the morning, so you're it's very hectic, and then you suddenly stop it. I'm, I'm that type of a person who works in one you know one part during the day and and work so long that i finish my job and then i rest i prefer that when we are done after the practice at the office many times in in during my time in strasbourg i left almost immediately i left immediately to go to the gym to had a 30 minutes 45 minutes workout and lunch and then According to the energy and the shadow, if there was nothing in the afternoon with the team, you might even take a nap and go home and then start working again in the evening. It's pretty common in our job because all the games are in the evening. So anyway, you're watching basketball, but it's not something that you need to find a way that you are effective. I think we do a lot of times work, great number of hours, but we don't really, you know, analyze how effective we are what's the quality of our work and uh, and that's why for me to doing my stuff to get, to get you know get the energy back with the little nap or or gym afternoon gives me a lot of this energy to work maybe eight nine o'clock in the evening and prepare tomorrow's practice and uh, prepare the next opponent and uh, you need to find your own way same way the way you recover you need to know that is it you know by going uh going to the do sports walking in the park or in the nature or is it going to be going to watch some other sports so these are super important you give a time for your for your mind that that next morning you are again uh, fresh we'll we'll talk about that in the in the in the post-game analysis of how to how to recover mentally because this is this is the essential part in our job because it's, it's such an intense season like you said a wash machine but it's a 10 month wash machine that doesn't doesn't seem to stop you know and and the, the longer it goes the more exhausted you get 
Um, that moving on to the transition off transition offensive part and transition offensive part, it's it, it says the name. You're transitioning, so you're transitioning from assistant coach to head coach was kind of a natural progression and with the national team. Uh, also, then when you became head coach in Strasbourg, now transitioning back into into a role while you're still a head coach with the national team, but transitioning back to being an assistant coach in in, in Bologna, there is you know, several head coaches on a Team USA staff, for example, and they all feel comfortable with each other and they all have the mutual respect part because of that's, that's I think, that naturally um, comes with the with the job description when you hire a head coach to be an assistant coach. You know, both have to respect the position and the, and the situation. How do you feel that your experiences from the past help you now to be a better assistant coach that you were before maybe and understanding maybe after being a head coach for 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 the last years what the head coach needs from the assistant coach in in re, in reverse of what you were before you became head coach you know what i mean like what's what's what are what are the lessons that you've learned from being a head coach that you think that the head coach needs from you right now well of course uh there's a lot and and uh, it's just the beginning of this journey few months so i think i i might recognize much more things you know during this this long season with euroleague uh but i think the support is the main thing it's the thing that a assistant coach in certain moments needs to have a be analytical see the big picture giving the right uh, things uh, for the coach who might be stressed or or tunnel vision in in this uh, in this job and uh, and also that uh, i would say that it's super important that the, the the plate of head coach is full and there's more and more people who's bringing in a different uh, dishes to to the table and it's something that you need to try to cut the load from a head coach so that every single thing he doesn't have to you know touch you prepare as well as possible it's like politics that the assistant assistants there before the big meetings need to prepare you well at the end he probably prepares himself super well so it's not needed but there's a days that you need to spend unexpected two hours with a meeting or some, with some player or people in the office. He, you don't have a time. So the assistant needs to be ready to give you the advanced scout or, or, or ideas for the next practice. And I really like the idea also from the stuff I've been working that the assistant coach doesn't just do his job, give the analyze and edit, and I'm done my job, and now I'm, I'm done for today. Because... We need also this because sometimes you just need to break down the game and, and move on to the next one. But also that you kind of start to think like, what should we do? Giving the ideas. And then it's the head coach's job to decide that, no, I think we should do this or go ahead, run this thing or show these things to the players. But you need to propose. And uh, and uh, head coach has only this 24 hours and i said you know in this job every game changes your tomorrow schedule so the assistance needs to help with the load yeah and on top of that i think that you while you're getting to know the head coach that you're working for 
it's also very important to know the timing of when to say what and when to propose something, when to give ideas. And, you know, you, you have to know when not to say something also, you know, when there are certain things that the filtering process, when you talk to the players and then some things you have to say to the coach, sometimes you, you cannot say to the coach at all. But then also the, the, the timing is very important of when to say what, you know, after a game and the heated, after heated loss, you're not going to bring up a topic that's completely, that's not what's important right now. You have to be really aware of when to say what and then how to say it. Exactly. And of course, you can anticipate when you know each other better that uh, probably Coach Henrik will tomorrow want to know these things about the opponent or wants to do. So I think that's also important. It 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 gives you a lot of energy during the during the long weeks and days that a head coach doesn't have to point everything that tomorrow at this time we do that you already know you are one step ahead and uh, and also like I think uh, that's the best thing when you work in the coaching staff that that, that there is a positive energy and of a flow and uh, and assistance has a super important job for that. And uh, the same thing as as we are at the half court already uh, in the in the half court topic, the communication part is important for me, as you say, as I'm saying right now with the the the, the communication with the head coach, but also the communication with the players. And for me, it's important of more important of how the assistant coach is is, is responsible or finds the 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 niche of how to handle conflict and how to. Uh, take the air out of the conflict, you know, because some players will be frustrated and the coach will naturally see that he will get frustrated with that, with the frustration of the player. And then it's a trickle down effect. And then the whole team, they can, you know, the assistant coach can sometimes help. I saw it the other day in the game when I was visiting this, this a couple of weeks ago where the assistant coach comes up to the player at the end of a bench and talks to him a little bit. How do you see, which which situations do you feel comfortable that you feel like this this is the time to approach the player this is not when I should approach him do you have situations that you feel like the, this that you that are signals to you of when it's a good time to approach a player well I, I think this you need to have a nose for the moment this is this is you need to know the player also how the player is because some of the players they need this uh, immediately it it can be that uh, they 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 they've been wondering in the last few days about the bad performance or what happened in the game, and uh, and also some of some of the players watch tons of film and they know everything already. So you don't have to go with your uh, with your two hundred clips. You can just open the conversation and and uh, what happened or why why did did it work. On the meanwhile, some players you should like uh, give a time. That it's uh, that they process, and I think there's not a wrong one one way. Also, I think this is, as you said, very important because uh, there's so many pieces, especially when you in a national team or or here in Euroleague, you rotate a lo lot. Some players they don't play this game, they, they don't play that game, and and uh, so so there's a lot of you know feeling to touch, to give information, to push them. A little bit ahead to correct one thing is it the ball screen defense is it you know uh running the offensive spacing so that you know you can do it by few clips micromanagement during your time in the airport 
and it might affect to his next sub. It might affect the lineup's performance on next Sunday's game. And if you can find those, it's, it can be very, very uh, helpful for the team. But at the same time, if you always go after every game with the same number of clips pushing, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Also, the players has a huge load. But then, as I said, you need to know how the player is and, 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 and how, how does he prepare himself and how does he see the game. As it's also different when it's a veteran player or a rookie player. You know, some veteran players they just need one clip to understand that, or just to see to confirm their feeling or their 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 idea. You know, and sometimes with rookies or with with younger players, you need a little bit more time of of making them understand a certain direction that you want their their game to be to be going to. I I honestly think that uh, when I go to talk especially the, the experienced players, I go there to learn. I go there to ask questions, what happened or how did you see here or, or what's, what's the thing in this five minutes period? And then you listen. And yep. that's again the same story that uh, they know already the game. They've been there before and they might give you even the information that we didn't think about. Of course, then there's, then there's situations that you need to give them uh, especially, you know, uh, when they play a big minutes, they might not remember everything or or see something. So you need to give them a feedback, but also listen to them and uh, and uh, and uh, develop the the process that way. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 uh, and there, it takes a lot of character for you to 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 feel secure and to feel comfortable approaching or telling asking the player for information. You know, because it's also a trust a, a trusting that the player is not gonna look at you in a different way, but he's going to respect the fact that you came up to him and, and, and asked him for his opinion. That's, that, that, that's something, you know, in, in these small meetings between the player and coach, but I think that should be the thing between the group. I always say in the beginning of the season, day one things are that I hate monologue. I prefer dialogue. And that's that's everywhere where we at. Of course, in some moments, every like I said before, everybody cannot open their mouth and give the opinion. Some moments, coaches are leading the thing or captaining with the team. But for example, when we had the video, we we watched the what watched the opponent team, the players they know. Unfortunately, whatever we think as a coaches that we study, the players they know better. If they know if they have played tens of times the player already, they have the feeling. So why would we only tell our opinion? Why wouldn't they ask? Like, what do you think? Or is it correct? And then the player says that yeah, he will never ever in this situation drive to the left. So that's also some sharing responsibilities and making the, the everybody feel important there. And again, get the maximum potential even bigger. Yes, and and it's it's also it gives them some ownership and also makes them when it's when you take their idea or you listen to them, it can also trigger a little bit of a pride effect that they're gonna prove you that they're right, you know, in in a sense on the court. Yeah, and and uh, and there's situations that you do it with the with the game plan. We we are in the situation that we are in the mix, and and honestly, I think. Uh, Young or older coach, but I have learned that the you know coach needs to be able to say that I don't know, and I'm not sure. I have an idea, but if you guys guys believe that we can do it this way and everybody agree, we do it that way. 
but then it's also as you said you share ownership that uh, that we decided it was not coach Lazio coach Benas who said that now we have to do it that way yeah but coach said like that no no if we decide together it's even stronger and uh, and I said you know how could I as a young coach know you know everything and have always the perfect opinion I think we 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 lying to ourselves if we even think about that absolutely has your has your expectation from the assistant coaches to uh, to your assistant coaches changed from now being an assistant coach again or having experienced the head coaching head coaching part in in two different scenarios that you feel like you have a different expectation from the assistant coaches than you used to have um, I don't know expectations. I'm been very happy with how how we work together. But of course, you get ideas every day. That's that's great with uh, with Coach Luca here that uh, he's sharing a lot. We talk and and uh, and uh, I'm still the same young kid as 20 years before that. I'm asking a lot of stupid questions, and he always answers. So I think it's it's important that you pick up. Like I would like to have this thing if I need to do something for him or I prepare. I'm thinking that this could help me and my staff if my assistants would do the same way. So coaching is a lot about copying. It's not only about plays <laughs> or drills. It's about copying that he did, he did it right way. I want to do it same way or this could work for us. And, uh, and for sure, there's a lot of things. But I, on the other hand, we've been building something and this is not our stuff right now. I said, like, I still think that this staff who goes February in the in the window to play Serbia and Denmark is a staff we started 2010 when I stepped in it's just you know different persons but basically it's you know just people are different in the different roles but it's a Finnish national team coaching staff yes yeah do you just to shortly touch on the half court part on the on the uh, X's and O's do you have a favorite action that's underrated for you this says something I mean I don't I'm not trying to get something out of you that I can use against you <laughs> or anything but in terms of underrated actions that you feel like uh, are not explored I'll tell you what I think is my my underrated action that that I feel that if if players have a sense for that and coaches see situations when to do it I think cutting and movement without the ball is extremely important and that's why I was going to talk to you about that because I think in with the with the Finnish national team in the years past it's always been the ball movement and the and the cutting and i think that's the most underrated part of the game that you guys utilized utilized to the max and it's it's very difficult uh to to guard it's very difficult to get your players dialed in for 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 those actions and the movements uh, off the ball but it's also a very it's a very very um if you have to also the personnel it's a very creative weapon that you can use in different half court situations well, you get the point. I, I I'm big fan of this, and I'm all the time studying. I, I I I like to watch the games or the actions, like like why why this worked or why did you know play kind of a game against yourself, like or how would I play defense on this and why if I play defense like that, what is the answer? You kind of play inside your head. But for sure, if you ask me one topic, it's off ball movement, cutting, not only cutting to receive the ball uh, i use the term a sacrifice cut you know somebody dives in to collect two defenders to get the, or or runs the cut to the last defender on the weak side so that the shooter is open and uh and when you see sometimes the teams that even the best shooters 
are doing it at the end of the possession because they read that if I now cut, somebody's totally open, he should get an assist. That's for me an assist because he makes this cut to get somebody open. So not only cutting to the rim to receive the basketball, making a cut to make the defense collapse and, and get somebody open or a closeout, which creates another ball flow. So automatically it doesn't mean that it gives you the ba- the basket or 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 uh, something happens immediately but uh this is a tricker which can which which helps you a lot and and even more right now with the size we have with the modern basketball we talk about these wingspans and and everything that playing static play, making bounce passes half court 5 on 5 without moving it starts to be super complicated and uh, you got to mobilize the defense and move them side to side before before you are able to get open looks. I absolutely agree. It's it's uh, it's it's spacing. That's the that's the spacing part that is so hard to achieve in Europe because everything is so congested. And I think that's only able to you can you're only able to create space and create situations and and and. Uh, yeah, space for the players to attack by moving the defense side to side by creating cuts that that draws attention away. It's kind of like a decoy cut, and and uh, creating more open space, whether it's on a strong side or a weak side, for for the player with the ball to take advantage of it. And those things, I I love to see when teams utilize that. Do you have a team or a coach that you used to watch that 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 did it very very well, or or certain players that that drew your attention in with that action? Well, I, I, I need to say that there's a lot of good players uh, off the ball. I, I was lucky when when I was in Strasbourg. I need to give a credit that uh, Coach Collet was extremely interested about the same topic. It was the thing we, we talk a lot in Finnish national team to create open threes. Honestly, like this is still the main topic. And that going not into the specifics since we, hopefully we play with Lithuania and Finland very soon, but... Uh, the ma- most important cut for me is the 28 meters cut. It's the cut after the defensive rebound or basket from baseline to baseline, because that cut in a modern basketball opens basically the floor for the others. So it doesn't have to be one speed cut. It can be the shooter filling the corner. It can be the big man on the, you know, ahead running the touchdown rim run, or it can be the trailer who dives and fills the paint and then somebody else is able to drive. And that starts everything because, you know, our our style and I think everybody's style is going to be sooner or later more an open court game. You want to run the floor. Everybody can push the ball one to five from the rebound. So you get a space and use the maximum, you know, all the court. And that's why the 28 meters cut is, is, is the main one. But ask, answering for your question, when when Coach Collet ran uh, ran those some of the actions in Strasbourg, and we had Paul Lacombe, who's now back in Strasbourg, I think I clipped every single cut of him and and studied that what is the timing and learned that you know how well he used the the baseline when the defender turned his head, he was walking behind him, and when the defender looked at where is my guy, he was already on the other side. But it was never like one speed, full speed. It's always like uh, sneaking behind the defender's back or front, and uh, and uh, I have a lot of clips still in my synergy. <laughs> All right, there's a good trigger word for for the halftime uh, and to to transition into uh, proballers.com 
segment and i will share my screen for you to you sorry to you and um just for you to see and to help me let's we're gonna do a search we're gonna do a search and i hope you see my screen here is it visible yes okay all right so i'm gonna search your team uh finland your your national team and uh we're gonna go all right this is a support free content ad blocker didn't work and uh now we're gonna go into team records and uh instead of a box score i think uh maybe this is gonna be more fun gonna have the most efficient games here sorted by by the most efficient game against cape Verde this last summer um, then also albania 2012 now i was gonna you said you you like the cuts this this is you know it goes way back it goes to 2011 i think i see i've seen another statistic from 2009 so you've been to 2010 so you've seen all of these games you've been a part of it there's pretty pretty good uh variety of games we have to choose from now i'm gonna test you and uh, you said you'd like to have cuts to create open three-pointers. And uh, now uh, let's go into most three-point shots made. Can you tell me or do you have a feeling of which game it was and, and uh, against whom? Wow. I think one of the most important one was for sure against Slovenia in the last game in Ljubljana, but the right number because honestly... Finland, some games we've been shooting the lights off with 15, 16, 17 trees. Let's see. But that, that that's something that I remember that we knocked down on many threes, but honestly, hit what's me. The, what's, what's the most threes that Finland knocked down? I don't know. Slovenia in, in 2013. But how many, how many made shots? Oh, wow. No, no, no. <laughs> put, put, put me in this i would say like uh, 16 oh wow 17 17 but slovenia was one of them slovenia was 17 uh in 2013 uh poland uh, was last year's the most recent one 17 um last year in Eurobasket, and that was a yeah this point. is uh this is of course like the game uh i should have remembered but uh honestly like those games when the flow for example, Slovenia game in in, uh, in Ljubljana or Poland game when the, everything goes well, I know that's so fun to watch. I think we all stop scouting. We just you know sit on the bench and, and watch when the <laughs> players were doing their their thing. And uh, and uh, that's of course the the, the strength and uh, it's also a long pro progress. Like you see that the identity has been built for from a from a long time ago that uh, we are looking for these open threes and. Uh, and uh, many players are are having the will that they can they can also take the open three and the transition because uh, it's a good shot for us. Yeah, it's it's sometimes like you said, it's art and it's art. You just like to like sit down and enjoy and watch them watch them do the art on on the court. Is there is there one thing besides the 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 three point making uh, seventeen out of thirty eight? Is there one thing that you after games like this you like to look for still and and I mean, you know, obviously the assists probably were, are interesting to see combined with the three points made. But is there something you pay attention to after a game, after a game like that specifically? Uh, 
I think you need to do, it depends on of your team. Of course, in Finland, assists are one of the things. We were still top five in uh, in the World Cup of assists, even though we had a uh, more losses than wins. So that's something that we need to analyze. If we have assists, it means that we've been sharing the ball and we have been using our flow of our offense. Uh, we don't create a lot of pull ups one on one. So so if we don't have assists, you know, that's that's a bad signal. Then, for example, I think you need to analyze your team. It's not in Finland. It's easy because we built the program and 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 the kind of the identity a long time in the club team. You need to know your quality factors. Uh, for me, for example, in Strasbourg, the team we had those few years super important was uh, offensive rebounding because we were putting a lot of pressure on offensive rebounding. And uh, and the same time activity, for example, the turnovers of the opponent team, offensive rebounding for Finland in in some games, uh, it's also important. But if you of course make a 16, 17 threes, you will not have a lot of offensive rebounds, make a lot of shots. But like you need to know your team, what you expect, and those numbers usually uh, gives you also simple things to follow during the long season. That if you have your quality factor of, on the positive. Usually, you play for the win. Yeah. So to summarize, your assists, your offensive rebounds, and the opponents' turnovers. That's that, those were, for example, the the main ones for uh, for me in the in the, in the Strasbourg time, and uh, and uh, not also like uh, of course, of course, the balance of the threes and twos is is something that uh, that. Uh, here you see, like when you have a night like this, you have almost forty threes, but uh, but it's not always like the number of threes. It's the how many, how many good shots we 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 get, and and then you go deeper into the analyze not only by numbers by the by the video. Yeah, how the the quality of the shots is important, and right? how how the quality of the three pointers are they open? Were they contested? Were did we create shots significantly? better than in the past the assists are those real assists are those fake assists you know there's there's a lot of lot of nuances i think you can dive into but that's that's a that paints a picture all right let's uh let's let's get back to uh to the real work here <laughs> uh we move into transition defense uh after after a short short halftime break and the transition defense is more about your as you already touched on the the decompression part the the mental part that after having dual dual roles in the basketball world but also finding time to decompress what do you specifically do to to defend transition defense i'm trying to be creative here to defend your mental health and to have have a little bit of a, a awareness of when you need a break when do you know you're push, pushing yourself too much um Good question. I I usually uh, one of the things I need to take care of my 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 healthy. I need to do sports every day, not every day, but honestly, if I skip two three days, so it's not possible possible during the schedule. I get stressed. I get stressed not because I'm I'm not in a good shape. I get stressed because uh, I haven't been able to do sports. So that's something that uh, that uh, releases my stress, and I need to do it. It's better to do even twenty minutes in the hotel room just before the game than nothing. So even though it's not a very effective workout, it's better to do. Then uh, some things I always drop into my calendar. 
I I really like to walk in the city, take my laptop, sit in the coffee bar or sometimes a sports bar to look people around if there's a soccer game, to eat something, grab one beer, maybe suddenly open your laptop and start to work your opponent and do the work same time. But it's like, I think I'm more uh, creative. I'm having a better ideas when I'm moving, when I'm walking, when I'm seeing other people around me. So, so for example, in the hotels, it's better for me to work in the lobby than work alone in the hotel room. And that's super important that, as I said, it's not that, you know, I, you, everybody can do it. But for me, I need to know how I, I get the best quality. And uh, then, of course, when it's possible, when you have a day of or afternoon practice here, I like to have one morning as a, without an alarm. It can be that you woke, wake up still 7, 30, 8 o'clock, but like that you have a mindset that I don't have to wake up. If I want to sleep a little bit later, tomorrow is the day, and then you are having a better energy for the work. My kind of guy. Coffee bars, going into the lobby to work. This is We're, we're very similar in that regard because I have, I have to have a dynamic around me to have, to have some sort of in, not inspiration, but you do need to be inspired to do some of the work because there's sometimes it's just the monotony of it gets to you. And the monotony of sitting in the hotel room, I'm by myself a lot. And I used to be by myself a lot in in, in Moscow when I was there working. That's why I think I, I picked up my habit of going to cafes, going to the mall and just seeing people, just being around, just having some sort of dynamic around you. That you feel that you feel like you're not living in a, in a bunker, but you are actually having. There's people with a life out there that you also can have a little bit of an energy exchange, and that happens a lot in cafes. That happens sometimes when there's a good cafe with a good vibe, good coffee, and you have a good set of relaxation. But then also, like you said, you can get inspired to do some work. And to me, sometimes, a lot of times, when work can be also serving as a <laughs> as a uh, meditation as as hypocritical as it sounds you know i'm i'm trying to see how we can decompress here but then in, in order to decompress sometimes i i work a little bit something lighter on the lighter side and i agree with the workout because uh, joe rogan a lot of times said also and i he hasn't talked about it in a while so i forgot the word he used to say but i was like there's a certain threshold we as humans have to have have to exhaust each day in terms of energy to get the anxiety out of your system because it builds up. And we, as our ancestors, when we were uh, hunters and gatherers, they're used to going out there and, and, and exhausting energy and, and, and exerting energy and, and hunting and running and doing, and our bodies now are very used, very much used to sitting, you know, in the gym, in the, in the practices, you move around a little bit, but we are more sitting now than moving. And if we, if we don't get this energy out, some sort of threshold that that everybody needs to reach you know everybody's different everybody's threshold is different then i think stress can keep building up and it it's internally i think it can it can lead to exhaustion and ex implosion maybe absolutely and i i i think uh like 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 you said our job is a lot of something that it's it's a baby life Somebody sends you the schedule or put it on the wall that this is the breakfast time, this time the boss leaves, here is the practice time we play, we wake up, we play, 
we eat, we take a nap, we play again. And uh, so sometimes you need something that you just walk, you're out of the, the bubble. And at the end, you know, it gives you the, the energy to, to be uh, creative, to get some new ideas. And at least it works for me. And that's why that's why our our job, our day to day, has to be fun. You know, otherwise you can get crazy. That's why I think the staff is important. The people you work with are important because you have to make it fun. You have to be, you have to be. It has to be fun to be around each other. Absolutely. So our time is slowly winding down. One before we go into the ATOs, I want to have one post game question for you that I I had a couple of prepared, but we 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 kept talking and talking, and it's a, it's a good conversation. It's a great conversation actually because there's a lot of philosophical nuggets i think for the people to take away the post game uh, part would be also a philosophical question if you reflect now on your career a young career you just you're just starting off basically as as a head coach what what kind of what kind of coach did you imagine becoming before you became head coach and did you did what kind of coach did you become as a head coach you know with the national team so in, the question is more about you know, for for coaches who are imagining to be in one way, a certain way as a head coach, and then they become a head coach, and maybe they become totally somebody different that they thought they could become. You think you think that's something that you went through in in your head before you became a head coach? I think uh, I'm I'm slowly learning what I what I wanna be as a then a more experienced coach. Uh, but for sure, when you are young and and I think. Nowadays, this Twitter and, and everything gives you even more possibilities to dive into the X's and O's. And it's super important in our job to have this knowledge and, and, and develop that part of the game. But for sure, I was thinking the first years that I, I can do this amazing playbook and run this place and, and do the stuff. Uh, with, with, uh, with Coach Detman, I pretty quickly learned about the leadership, how to treat the people, that how super important it is. And, uh, and I start to think and, and develop myself on that uh, an, uh, aspect. But I honestly think that I remember that, that the players remember when, when they have been in the team where I have been assistant or coach, that coach was always there to help and also to teach. And teaching is so many ways. It doesn't have to be the teach to use the cross screen or 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 as I said, you know, how to how to space out on the weak side, but to, to teach every day, like life, how to be together, how to be as a group. And and same time, like teach to enjoy that, as you said, because like that's the at the end of the day, the things you remember from your best teams and those those years you had fun that that you know the coach was supporting helping teaching you so many ways perfect all right you ready for the atos hopefully i can i use my assistant to draw <laughs> you can use anybody you can you can call on a joker if you want to and then maybe we can phone somebody in <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire all right um most frequent question you ask yourself after a game to analyze a win or a loss. If there's if there's one question you ask yourself every game, which would would, would it be? Uh, probably, uh, I I was thinking about this earlier, uh, this thing, and 
Actually, like, I think one of the most common questions comes afterwards, not right after the game, like, let's say day after or in the evening, like that, was the preparation good? And this is not about the tactic I wrote down in the paper or we did as a staff or preparation. Was were mentally ready, physically ready, so everything before the game uh, good so that the players can perform well? Because this works also in the practices. Before, I, I, I usually like to go watch, especially the bad practices, when you don't feel you know, that we get going or the drill doesn't go. Was it prepared well? Was the drill right? Did you explain it well? Were the players ready to run it before saying that they cannot do something? So self-criticizing, I think that, that, that that's something I always do and ask first before jumping into the, what, what happened on the floor that, you know, was my job well done and prepared and where were the players able to perform? If you had a chance for a 60-second phone call, past or present, who would you call right now and who would you, what would you say? That's a super good question. I, I, uh, is this, this is a basketball related. Anybody, <laughs> anybody. No, I, I, I honestly think that, uh, that, uh, if I think basketball, reading the books, many of us would call John Wooden to ask, uh, ask a few few questions and or not ask anything giving 60 seconds for him to talk and and say the things and uh but uh but honestly there is a person who passed away a uh, little time ago uh, if it would be possible to call him and thank that's the that's the person who gave me my first job who was the coach and president in la peranta and uh I would probably I would probably thank him and say that hopefully he's proud over there to watch that and it's been quite nice uh, journey. That's great. Uh worst advice you've received as a coach? First. Worst, worst, not first. Worst. A worst. I was yeah. first. This this goes on. Worst as I receive as a coach. I don't know where worst ad, advice. I would turn it always positive way. You know me, Ben. So I would say that the, the most important one is to be humble. Okay, that's the best advice. That was my next question. <laughs> best personal investment. I think in this this calendar, the investment. I need to honestly say that uh, all the time I, I give to my close ones because this is the investment that, you know, they deserve and it helps you. On the long term, I need to say that when you're moving from city to city, from apartment to apartment, it's better to have a good bed because this is something that, you know, when it's not good, you know, it will cost you tons of problems. And uh, and uh, whatever is our you know working hours and routines, if you don't rest well, it will cost you a back pain and a headache, and also a headache for the others. So so, if you cannot invest time for your close ones enough, at least buy a good bed. <laughs> 
What do you think most coaches misunderstand about the profession, especially young coaches? I would say. What do you think is the most most uh, misunderstood part of the of of this profession? Misunderstood. I think we we are uh, we need to understand that it's at the end it's me and you thing all the time. Coaching is you know this kind of a leadership between you and the player, between you and your colleagues, between you and the people at the office every day between you and the fan and uh, and also that uh, we are here to help players because without them doing well and trusting you and feeling that you know people are supporting them you ain't going to be successful and the most popular question on this podcast that i ask everybody at the end of it not everybody almost everybody i did ask it as the tim ferris question is your favorite failure from your career the one failure that you learned the most from in the past that you you kind of cherish you know it, it was a failure it was something that that hurt but it's something that you learned the most from there's there's so many and probably the biggest ones are are ahead so unfortunately they will come uh but uh, i think when you go back to the failing and the the situations uh like you didn't trust people around you you were thinking that me i can do it i'm able to do this and that's also your strength in certain situations that you push yourself but on the meanwhile many times this this kind of a mentality hurts you more than than gives so so being able to look around and who's there and and uh, work together Lassi, grazie mille Grazie. <laughs> Greco. Ole hyvä. Thank you very much uh, once again and welcome to the podcast club. Welcome to my with my with my role <laughs> to my role. <laughs> Finally, it was a pleasure and and uh, and a great talk. Next time we have a good coffee, right? Yes, we'll find a good cafe, great cafe wherever we are. All right, my friend. Thanks everybody for listening and talk soon. See you.